and that we love a chat. We love to help and that's a fact. So we have made it our mission to find stuff out. From diagnosis and education, slimming out of your frustration. Chat to folks who've been there too. Collect it together and share it with you. If you know someone we should speak to, send them our way and that's what we'll do. We like to have our sensory matters. You know what? Hello everybody, it's Sensory Matters here again and this week I'm joined again by Lorraine and Katie. Morning ladies. Good morning. Good morning. How are we all? Yeah, good very thanks. good, thank you. Yes. Good, sun is shining. It's all nice. Definitely. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Mm. Yeah, we've had like three or four days of this now. I'm, I'm loving it. Hey, it's supposed to get warmer as well. I know. Hopefully not too warm because I, I know you don't do so well in the heat, Lorraine. No, and I'm like constantly wearing sunglasses because it's way too bright for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. So this week we are going to chat a bit about last week's podcast, which we had the lovely Shelley Francis on. And she was uh, talking about the sensitive child and she's got a book. So let's start there and tell me your thoughts on what she was saying. Oh, it was just so good. I think Lorraine and I both, we were messaging each other oh, while we were yeah. listening and we were just like, this is so good. This is so good. Yeah, I think we listened to it at pretty much the same time. And I just loved how positive she was. I think it's nice to look at positives and have somebody positive and it just makes you feel so positive. Yeah. <laughs> it was very refreshing. I listened to it on a day when I was feeling really like not my best. I was just having one of those like meh kind of days and listening to it really made me feel like super motivated and just like just puts you in a better mood. Like it was really lovely. Yeah. Good. So what what was it specifically that you liked? I think it was just like the whole sort of the inner gifts and the way that she views just generally like the differences that we have in our community as um things that we should be proud of and how we're not the ones that maybe need to change how we look at the world it's the world often changing how they look at us and it was I just found it it was very refreshing to see and to listen to a viewpoint from that standpoint as opposed to us feeling like we're the ones that constantly have to change and mold and fit into society it was lovely to hear her say no actually we should be really fitting and accommodating to a lot of um, these people's kind of challenges and differences. Yeah. Yeah. And Lorraine, you, you related to it, didn't you, in terms of how the sort of feelings that you have? Yeah, because I, I'm an empath and I feel other people's emotions really strongly. Um, I, I cry all the time. <laughs> I, I, I can feel myself welling up now just thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a very emotional person. Um and a parent in an emotional way as well. And so listening to her just, it made me feel that I had a gift, which is what she was saying. It's yes. a lot of the time I felt it's a bit of a hindrance, but I think that there's certain people that feel like this and we can't all be the same. So I can see people and understand people from a different perspective. Mm, yeah. 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 And it is, it is that kind of nice way of always thinking that that probably has been a bit of a curse, that it does make you, feel strongly and sometimes miserably because you're empathizing with somebody else and and that's quite a drain mm -hmm. but she's flipped that concept on its head really and gone on about how it's it's almost like being a higher being being and being more in tune with our fellow people yeah I yeah. love how she was explaining the um having like your 
sensitive and like your emotional intuition versus your physical intuition and how perhaps um those who are more empaths and like myself and Lorraine who just like feed off people's emotions our physical intuition maybe is dampened but our sensitive and emotional intuition is much higher and it's I loved her her way of putting it like that and like Lorraine said I just felt like it was much more of a gift and it was something that I didn't have to be self-conscious of anymore like I was always told from such a young age oh you're so sensitive you're so sensitive and it was never told to me in a nice way it was always like somewhat passive aggressive and kind of negative so I've always taken yeah. it as being a negative um so hearing that it's quite like you know it could be a gift and it could like you said Jenny like a a new evolution in the human race I was like oh yeah. well that makes me feel really special now any um particular tips that you took away from it that you could apply to everyday life it just it reassured me that yeah. I just felt warm and fuzzy and because of my, my parenting because I parent in a different way to say my husband would like he agrees with punishments and and you know tellings off and I'm I'm not like that because of my empathy yeah. if, if my children do something the first thing I think is oh my god they've done something wrong how are they feeling yeah yes um, so I don't automatically shout and I don't automatically punish. I think, oh gosh, the way they're feeling now is, is punishment enough because they've done that. Yeah, and as long as they've got an awareness of right or wrong, right and wrong yeah. and they know that they've done wrong, then that those feelings are so strong when you're guilty of doing something yeah. wrong, aren't they? And so my husband will say to me, I can't, I can't believe you didn't ground them, you didn't take that away, you didn't do this. And I'm like, but imagine how they're feeling right now. Yeah. So it made me feel that actually that's not a bad thing because yeah. sometimes I think maybe I'm not parenting right. Yeah. I think we all think that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. What about you, Katie? Anything you took away? I think it was just that general positivity of feeling like this isn't my fault. This isn't something that I should be self-conscious of. And what she was saying about how like we should be looking at ourselves very proudly. And I think you were saying, you know, British culture, mm-hmm. <laughs> we often find that, if you think highly of yourself or you are proud of yourself, people look at that as arrogance and yeah. they question that and they're like, oh, well, why are you feeling, you know, and they it puts people off. Um, yeah. So I think it was nice to just feel like, oh, I, I can be proud of myself. I can be happy with who I am. I can like myself. And that's, it just gives you that little bit of an excuse and a bit of a push to hold your head up a bit higher. And yeah. I think in our society today, we need that. We need people to say, it's okay to like yourself. It's okay to be proud of yourself. You don't have to always be putting yourself down. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was really good. I love chatting to her. Yeah. Um, but when great. she said that part about loving yourself, it just reminded me so much of Jamie. So anyone who watches our live videos or knows Jamie, she's always like, oh, I'm amazing. I'm brilliant. Um, I'm so <laughs> cool. And I love that about Jamie, that she yeah. can do that. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. It really is. I think that's the key to everything. If you can, if, if you can like yourself and be happy with yourself, then everything else is easy. Yeah, you definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she should teach us all how to feel like that. I'd love to know <laughs> how to feel like that. Um, okay, so, yeah, really good podcast. Um, so what has been in the news this week that's grabbed your attention? 
we've both seen this, haven't we, Lorraine? We were chatting again. I was messaging Lorraine saying, oh, we need to talk about this. <laughs> it's like the, the open plan learning and no classrooms. Yeah. Yeah. So why did that jump out at you? I think we just been, um, we've been talking about school quite a lot recently, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Um, and I think something like that, when you see it, you think, oh, wow, I wish I went to a school like that. That's the, that was my first initial reaction. Same, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, why can't all schools be like this? Because it was a... And they showed some... Um, I love the photographs that they showed on the article because it was like all the students have their own desk space, but they are encouraged to customise it. So it's like going into like an adult office and having like photos of your family on there. And I'm like, how cool is that in school? Like, it's like the little things like that that, I don't know, please me a lot. Yeah. And their approach to learning was that you could you could go to wherever you wanted to learn what you wanted at that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what, what do you see as the advantages for our community for that then? I think it's just encouraging people to, it's sort of like asserting themselves in a situation and not kind of thinking, this is what I want. Um, this is what I'm really excited about um, and allowing people to go in that direction as opposed to constantly trying to force people in a direction that society wants us to go or education and curriculum want us to go and actually giving people that freedom I think is a good life skill to have like and how we were talking about having that confidence and that um you know assurance of being like yeah I do like myself and I am proud of myself I think those feelings can come from deciding to study something that you're interested in and then achieving knowledge in that and being proud of yourself for um, going in the direction achieving what you wanted to achieve sticking to it and making decisions for yourself and having that um that power and that responsibility I think it's just there's a lot of things that come into it that are so important um yeah. that often it's life skills that often school doesn't teach us because we're just told what to do when to do it and how to do it as opposed to deciding that for ourselves figuring it yeah. out and and being proud of ourselves at the end of it I guess I guess it could be more of a reflection on real adult life as well in that these days there are a lot of work share spaces and open plan offices and you've got your marketing director sitting next to your admin assistant and you know it it's a lot more free flowing in real life than it used to be where everyone was in their own little bits mm. so maybe it's, it helps with that life skill as well I think so so it took me back to something that you'd said a few weeks ago Jenny about was it more Farah? If like, how do you know that you're not like the fastest runner? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, you, if you don't do something, you you might have a gift somewhere that you're just totally unaware of. Yes, and that's what I was thinking about these schools. If you can like dip into different lessons and look at different things, you might find something that's really good for you. Where yeah. in another school, you might not have that opportunity. When you're looking at like choosing your options, for example, yeah, uh, Joe's just had his letter of confirmation of what options he's got, and I just think there's so many classes that he's not going to experience that he could be brilliant in. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've got the opportunity to kind of tailor it to yourself. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's also giving people a lot more choice, isn't it? Choice in, I want to mix with people right now. I don't want to mix with people right now. Yes. I want to, you know, go and learn this and I don't, but are, are there any, are there any risks with it? Like what would the, the counter argument for this, free-flowing school be? I think perhaps it could lead to a culture of um, whatever I want, I get, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it is also good to 
teach children from a fairly young age that sometimes we do have to do things that we're not happy with or we have to try things that we often find that we, we're not good at and we have to stick at them and we have to give them a go and we can't just say no I don't want to do that yeah. um I think it does build up a, a sense of um just kind of like you just gotta you gotta wade through it. it it brings up resistance and coping mechanisms for things that you don't necessarily like or want to do so yeah perhaps that kind of that kind of skill would go down um but apart from that I think and maybe socially um you know school does often put us in a situation where we have to be social so mm-hmm. um if we give people the option to go off on their own more often than not then maybe teamwork and uh, ability to to work as a team and communicate effectively with people maybe that would decrease I don't mm-hmm. know just yeah. throwing some ideas out here <laughs> yeah I mean for me I think that school would be brilliant but then it takes away a lot, a lot of the structure that some kids need yes and the yeah. routine Mm. Yeah, and I just wonder with that sort of thing as well, how how can the teachers know that every child is getting what they require in terms of education? It's it's going to be a very different way for them to teach mm. as well. So they're going to have to upskill themselves in order to adapt to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, we go to school to get a basic knowledge of various things for later life, although some of it's a waste of time. But, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it would be harder if it's a lot more free-flowing to ensure that every stage is getting what the government expects. But then I suppose this is a finished school, isn't it? So maybe it's not as regimented as the UK in terms of by this key stage one, you've got to have done X, Y and Z. I don't actually know. Mm, maybe. It, yeah. yeah. I, I suppose it's a bit like home education. Do you follow the curriculum or do you work on yeah. other things? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think mm. it'd be interesting to know, like with this school, what the sort of goal at the end of it is is it exams is it going off to higher education or is it just um for students who maybe don't see that in their future but want to still gain somewhat of an education and skills that could help more with life and 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 getting into a job as opposed to carrying on to higher education really so that'll be quite interesting to know what their sort of what the path for most of these students is after they leave the school what what was the reaction when you saw this posted across social media? Were most people really enthusiastic about it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I thought I saw all positive sort of. I think yeah, it's just because too. it's so different. It's a world that we, I can't even comprehend. You know, I know. I think, I think yeah. because as as we evolve, our, I think our parenting changes. So, in the fifties, you sent your kids off to school and you didn't really know what was going on. They were just learning. Yeah. And as we've we've evolved and things have changed, I think we want different things for our children now so we want them to be happy that's at the foremost of everything so yeah a lot of the time we're not really that bothered if they're following the curriculum and for me I'm not bothered about exams I just want my children to be happy and if they weren't happy in a mainstream school and that school was better for them mm. then that, yeah. I'd send them there for their mental health over qualifications yeah absolutely Okay, cool. Well, that's been interesting. It will be interesting to watch that and see how it develops and the impact it has. Um, it's one of those things that it grabs the attention, grabbing headlines, but I hope it's followed up and that we hear hear the progress of it because I'd be really keen to know. Yeah. Um, so we're going to take a short break and then we've got our sensory matter and a question from a listener after the break. <laughs> Thank you. 
throughout May, we are offering three amazing bundles for just £14.95 or one credit. Remember, if you spend a credit, you get free postage. Each bundle contains a Chewy Gem necklace, bangle, pin badge and keyring. And if you're a VIC, it's even better because you get one bundle completely free. For more information, visit our website, www.chewygem.co.uk. And if you'd like more information on becoming a VIC, please contact us via Facebook Messenger. Now back to the podcast. Right, welcome back, everyone. So we were having a good old chat about last week's podcast and the sensitive child, and we were chatting about um, this Finnish school that has ditched classrooms completely and they've got this free-flowing open plan idea, which um, we all think sounds wonderful. Um, But staying on the school theme, I think that our sensory matter is school-related, isn't it, this week? Yeah, this week uh, GCSEs have started. Yeah. That's huge for for any child. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So how does that, I guess, differ for our community? Is it huger? Can you say, is that a word even? Uh, Well, I can just tell you from my experience with Jamie because she... She did an exam last week, which wasn't a GCSE, and then she had her first GCSE yesterday. Right. And it's been awful for her. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, And it's because of changing routine and things like that. As a okay. Because she actually likes doing the exams. Yeah. But the fact that yesterday she didn't have her normal Tuesday because the whole afternoon was a science exam. Right. Um, it's things like that that she's really struggling with. Okay. So how have you and the school prepared her for it and handled it? Um, well, she's, I mean, she's doing some of her GCSEs a year early because she's only year 10. Yeah. Well, we've just tried to to explain to her that you've got another... Oh, I'm just not my computer. Uh, you've got another year, so this is like... Do this as like a practice run. Yeah. Um, she likes exam conditions, but obviously because she's got extra help, she's in a one-to-one environment for her exams so she's not in a I mean if you can you remember doing your exams in the big hall and turn your papers over you've got so many minutes left and everybody's there and I I remember looking around thinking oh my god I I don't know the answer do they know the answer are they writing if people are writing and I'm not writing I was really stressed out um where she's got the classroom to herself so I'm imagining that in an exam condition that's probably a lot a lot nicer yeah, absolutely. I had, what about you, when you did I it? had um, classrooms for myself and my A-levels. Right. I did find it really nice in one way, um, but in another way, I did find it a little bit intimidating <laughs> because yeah. um, I, I found it a little bit difficult to comprehend just having one person just... They never really, you know, used to pay much attention to me, my invigilators. They always used to be, like, reading or, or marking or doing something. So they weren't, like, staring at me the entire time. I, no. I felt like they were. But it was a little bit like, mm. oh, I, I, I actually preferred being in a, in a bigger hall. I kind of saw um, all different sides of exams because I did my GCSEs in 2013 when I was in the big hall with everybody. And this was before I started to struggle with my mental health. Um, before I got my diagnosis and then during my diagnosis when I was doing my um, AS levels and my A levels I had extra help within the hall and then I had um, and then I got moved into a room on my own so I've sort of seen all all different sides but um, but on the flip side like I actually really enjoyed GCSEs were some of my favorite times um, and some of my favorite memories in school Um, I really like exams I like the structure and the um, 
the exam conditions like Jamie does. I like working in silence. I like working on my own. I like um, mm-hmm. having that time and knowing exactly when I start and when I finish and um, and knowing exactly what subject I'm doing and all of that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I, I actually genuinely enjoyed my GCSEs. <laughs> See, when I did my GCSEs, I didn't know at the time the sensory issues that I experienced and now I understand them. So I was in the big hall, but I could hear the clock ticking. I could hear every chair move. I could hear everybody's pens individually. And I can picture it now, me sat there and hearing all these things. And I just assumed that's what everybody felt. Mm, Yeah. But So there's probably kids there doing their GCSEs now who've got sensory issues in the big hall. And I just feel so sorry for them because I'm putting myself right back into that chair. Yeah. And I can hear that clock. Yeah. It's like that. Just me out it's like a little like um you see on like the uh the teen movies isn't it when they're doing like an exam and they can literally like they amplify like the clock ticking and someone like scratching their head and then a scraping of a chair like that's exactly what it feels like that is and you can hear your your own heartbeat i remember hearing my own heartbeat i'm I'm getting transported right back to it now it's horrible i'm starting to clam up (laughs) yeah and what about what about afterwards is there any impact afterwards is it you know, are you sucked of all your life? Are you exhausted, or or is it mm. an elation that it's done? You know, how was Jamie yesterday? Oh well, because she revised the wrong thing. This is what she told me. She'd revised the wrong thing, so she only answered one question. So now she's going to get a U. Right. So I don't know how true that is. Um, okay. But she's got next year, which and again, I'm I. I don't care if she gets GCSEs or doesn't get GCSEs as long as she's happy. I don't want her... She, she'd pulled all of her hair out. Well, not all of it, but she pulled a lot of hair out. And I don't want her doing those things because she's worried about getting a grade A. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. We were talking about this, was it last week or week before or whichever, whenever. Yeah. And we were saying about how exams are maybe not the best way of testing yes. people. And, and it's, it's not a good... Um, measure of intelligence and and knowledge I don't think I mean just to give an example when I did my GCSEs we were and GCSEs have probably changed since I did mine um, but we were the first we were the first year to have a new um, it wasn't a curriculum it was just a new way of uh, examining the students so we had to deal with this new type of exam and um, it wasn't a case of if you get the right answer you get a tick and you get the wrong answer, you get across. It was um, if you used the right word, you would get a okay. tick. So in science, we had to use the word f of s, and if we if right. we use the word bubbles, we mm-hmm. wouldn't get the point. But we could literally okay. write a sentence that didn't make sense with the word f of s in, and we would still get a point. So as long as you have, wow. even if it was just you answered that question with just the word f of s you would get a mark. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that we had to deal with in, in uh, GCSEs and in A-levels. It was actually the right wording and you're not tested on your knowledge and your curiosity of a subject and your uh, depth and all of that kind of stuff. You were, We were literally um, marked and assessed on our use of language in every single subject. It was bizarre. Mm. Yeah, and when I did GCSEs, most of your mark was made up by coursework. Mm. Yeah. That was better for me because yeah. I enjoyed doing the coursework mm-hmm. um, because I'd get so involved in a, in a subject. For example, history, I ended up um, doing about the, the Vietnam War 
and I got so engrossed in it. My coursework was just fantastic mm. because I just didn't stop. It was just the best thing ever. Where Brilliant. when we went for our meeting about JAWS GCSEs, there's not much coursework anymore. It's all exams. Yeah. Right. Wow. So from your experience, guys, of being through it yourself, of parenting for you, Lorraine, um, any kind of tips that you could offer our community for people that are sitting facing this right now? I just think that mental health is more important than grades. And I know we see this meme shared around everywhere, but it's really true. Mm-hmm. I think if if you don't do well in your GCSEs or your A-levels, in the future, you can retake them if you want to, or you can do a different course. I mean, who at 16 knows what they want to do in the future? I know. Like, really? I don't think you do. So you're doing these GCSEs and you're wanting these top marks, but... Mm-hmm. They might not be relevant to your future career. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you may end up being a dog trainer. And what GCSEs do you need to be a dog trainer? Because <laughs> you're going to go do a course to be a dog trainer. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just think there's a lot of pressure. And I'm not, I'm not convinced that marks over mental health. No, not at all. I think it's important that everybody's happy. Yeah. Mm, I think so. I would say I would definitely echo that and second that. Um I guess for practical advice, I would say when revising, if you are someone who can revise, because I know Lorraine, you said that you can't revise. So yeah, and that's been Jamie's issue. She said that she can't revise either. Yeah, it's difficult. But if you are out there and you and you enjoy like that's how you work and you need the revision, then you that's what you're doing currently. I would say make it dynamic. Re- revision doesn't just have to be sat on a table reading or writing. I used to get up, I used to stick things on the wall and I used to stand up and write. I used to go outside. I used to try different activities, try revising in different spaces, try revising standing up, sitting down on the floor, on the table, like literally just make it experiment. Yeah. Yeah, and I think with, with today's technology there's so many ways that you can revise. Yeah. Like none of these things were available to me when I was doing my GCSEs. Yeah. I yeah. used to like copy out of a book and the more I wrote it, I was hoping it was going to go into my brain. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that well. <laughs> and yeah. everyone learns differently, don't they? Like um, people used to revise when I was in school in ways that I just did not, it didn't, didn't make sense to me. I was like, how could you do that? Like, what are you doing? Because I was the one who always had to like, I need to write in order to, get things in my brain so I can't mm-hmm. just read so try and figure out how best knowledge works and how it goes into your brain if you need um, pictures if you need videos if you need uh, podcasts and audio if you need background yeah. music if you need silence if you revise better on an empty stomach or on a full stomach like try and figure out you know yeah and time of day as yeah, well it's really important um, yeah but have fun with it and remember to also take regular breaks. That's really important as well. Yeah, yeah. And just and as Lorraine says, these things can be retaken. It's not. Yeah. Nobody dies. It's not the end of the world. That's um, exactly what I've been saying to Jamie as well. What's the worst that can happen if you fail yeah. an exam? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, uh, I didn't do great in my GCSEs, and I feel like my life's gone gone quite well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, like we were saying before, wasn't it? We, um, I was saying some of the most um, amazing, intelligent people in my life who I know, who I really look up to, um, did awful in school. Because <laughs> intelligence cannot be um, it, like fit into one box. So 
uh, failing yeah, exams or not doing good in exams does not make you a silly, stupid, um, unintelligent person. Yeah. No, not and, at all. Um, also, I, I was really good at English, but not very good at maths. And uh, Richie from Awesome Tistic was very good at maths and not very good at English. So we've got this thing going on where I'll I'll check his writing and he'll uh-huh. check my numbers. <laughs> Brilliant. There you go. And that's, again, we've spoken about this, but in real life, when you come out of school and out of exams, there are people that you can go to yeah. to ask yes. for help. Yeah. And that is one of the best skills you can ever have is asking people for help. Mm, definitely. It's actually, I think, in adult life, having one topic and one skill that you are so clued up in is actually much more beneficial than having 20 different things that you are semi good at so even if you just do like a really if you have one exam that goes really well you get a grade that you're really proud of like mm-hmm. that's that's amazing you know having that one subject that's what adults have you know yeah yeah yes so cool right okay interesting So the next bit is we've had a question from one of our listeners um, and it's really interesting because we often talk about sensory overload. In fact, it's probably the most spoken about topic and we don't really ever touch on sensory underload. So someone is asking, what does it feel like to have sensory underload and what causes it? That's a good question. Mm. I I don't think I've ever experienced sensory underload. Oh, really? I can't think because I'm very you're more sensitive. over yeah yeah I'm very overly sensitive to things mm. so the slightest touch and light yeah I can't I can't think of not being overstimulated. Have you ever been in a situation where you just you f- you're not engaging and you feel like you can't feel it but then that could be as a result of sensory overload oh it's difficult mm. isn't it it is difficult I've had times of being very very underloaded um I've had I can think of maybe three or four experiences and to me it feels like um restless leg syndrome but in my entire body I get very very restless um and I get very like um antsy and a bit short and a bit snappy and I just don't really it just feels very uncomfortable and and it feels like I can't sit still and it Mm. takes me like two or three days to figure out which sense I need to to hone in on um there have been times where I've been really really antsy and really really like um uncomfortable and it's just been I've been craving a certain smell but it will take me two or three days and actually when I was craving I was craving a smell a while ago and I thought it was I was craving a food so I started eating a lot and then I realized mm. that that wasn't helping. So I, I realized then it was actually a smell that I was craving because the senses are so linked, especially with taste and smell. Um, but it, it definitely feels to me like this restless energy that starts off in my entire body. And then it kind of starts to hone in on one area in particular. Um, I got it before I went to Zumba. I started to get very, very restless and, and didn't know what I, what I needed until I realized that I did need to dance and I needed to move. So then I booked myself mm-hmm. into Zumba class and I've been going twice a week because I need to let this energy out and I need to move. Um, and this is why I encourage with everybody that I meet, regardless of whether you're on the spectrum or not, or you have sensory processing difficulties or not, explore your senses, try things mm. out. If you find something that you think, oh, I'd like to try that, just just go for it and do it. Or if you think that's going to help, try it. Um, because you need to listen to your body in those situations. And I always encourage 
listen to your body listen to your body yeah that's interesting so it's almost it's almost like the sensory underload is is due to a lack of stimulation mm. of a certain thing but then what what's caused that is it just the absence of that sense being stimulated I think for me it is I think I often focus on one sense at a time so then I often like mm-hmm. I have moments of being very very tactile and then I'll kind of neglect um my vestibular seeking which is all about the movement and the getting up and you know um so I tend to have moments like that but like you were saying before Jenny um underload can also present itself in lack of motivation tiredness um lack of focus and that's why we have the sensory diets which means that when you're in this sort of trough of feeling very underwhelmed very tired very um burnt out in some situations it can actually help to instead of just letting yourself like go without anything and just sort of sit and do nothing um because that's sort of what you you think is going to help you think just sitting there and doing nothing or not doing anything to kind of overwhelm or overload yourself is going to help but Mm -hmm. sometimes when you're in that that trough you need to have um some sensory uh, stimuli to bring you to a normal level of activity and to bring your brain back up to feeling um alert and awake and motivated and focused and that's mm-hmm. another reason why underload is just as bad in some situations as overload because you you need to be able to to bring that focus up and to um to have moments when you're a bit more awake and, and alert yeah yeah and now you've explained that then I've definitely experienced that yeah um because I for me I have to walk a lot Mm. that's one of my things so I'll average 20,000 steps a day gosh when I was ill I couldn't do that Mm. and now I'm thinking how I felt at that time and it was completely underloaded yeah yeah I think people do expect it to be like because I experienced both. I experienced this restlessness and this complete sort of antsy, like can't sit still. And I think people do expect underload to be like that all the time. But when you're in that trough of um, burnout, um, low energy, low mood, um, lack of motivation, um, depression even, um, experimenting with your senses in a very, um, not too much, don't throw yourself in at the deep end, but just sort of slowly experimenting or slowly bringing that energy back up with um tactile play or like Lorraine going for a walk or um you know just doing something to bring up that sensory energy can actually wake up lots of different parts of the brain and and bring you to a much healthier level state and that's why we have the sensory diet it's to keep you on a on a fairly level wavelength as opposed to having all of these peaks and troughs of energy um it's to keep you nice and constant yeah yeah so I guess sensory underload is as unique to each individual as sensory overload is to each individual I think it is and that you you feel it in a kind of I feel agitated like I need to go and seek out some form of stimulation and that's telling you that you you you're underloaded sensory wise but equally it could also be a a reaction to a situation where you just sort of shut yes. off yeah um so it could be either of those mm. things and and I think as is always the message with all of this it's it's really kind of 
monitoring yourself to understand yourself better um, and keeping track of how you feel and what events cause it and what things help it. And then you're able to much more easily identify what yeah, you need. Yeah, definitely. I think this is why a lot I'm of... Actually... Oh, sorry, Lorraine, you go. I'm actually making notes while we're chatting now because I'm starting to think of things that I do that are probably because I'm underloaded and I've never realised before. Yeah. So like sometimes I shut myself in the kitchen, put the music on really loud and dance. Mm-hmm. And Dean says to me, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I just mm-hmm. I need to dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do lots of things like that and I've never thought about why. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start making notes and maybe keep a diary or something. <laughs> That'd be cool. You have yeah. to update us when you, uh, when you figure it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think it's also really important in the anxiety community. Um, I think all of us with working at Chewy Jam, we see, oh, well, well can this aid help with um other things regardless of like sensory processing and um autism and we often say yes you know this can really help with like mental health and depression and anxiety and ocd um and anxiety is a big one because a lot of people with anxiety experience dissociation or derealization depersonalization which is when you um feel disconnected from the world you feel a bit like in a dreamlike state you feel um outer body experiences it's a very weird and it can be very uncomfortable to to experience um but having that sensory uh information as well to just sort of ground you back into your surroundings it's another really important thing when it comes to underload it's to just it helps with dissociation bringing you back to your surroundings yeah makes sense awesome right well i think we have ticked off everything we wanted to talk about anything you guys want to add I don't think so. Let's go and enjoy this weather. (laughs) I just want to say that if people go to the content hub, we've got a sensory diary that you can download. I'm going to do that after this and I'm going to start doing my own sensory diary. Oh, yeah, brilliant, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good idea. So, yeah, you can get that on the Chewy Gem website. Click on the content hub, top right, and you will get it. Awesome, right. Well, um, we will be back in a fortnight um, talking about next week's podcast and so hope you enjoy that when it comes and i think for now that's it from us thanks everyone Bye. bye well that's it for this week and thank you once again for listening we really do appreciate it if you've got time and you can spare 30 seconds then go and give us a five star review on itunes it really helps other people find our content and we know that our content and our episodes are so helpful to our community with lots of hints and tips and interesting interviews so go and do your kind deed of the day and leave us a five star review on itunes to help others find us also so that you never miss an episode and you get a notification when a new one is available why not hit subscribe and that way you'll never miss us finally if you're not already a member of our fantastic facebook support group i suggest you go join it we'd love to see you in there there's loads of fantastic chat lots of peer-to-peer support from people in the same boat as you so go and search on facebook for the chewy gem sensory support group and let us know what you're thinking of our episodes speak to you then bye